History has demonstrated that the most notable winners, say winners, winners, usually encountered heartbreaking what? Obstacles before they what? Triumphed. They won because they refused to become discouraged by their defeats. Now, just leave it there. If you got a phone, you want to take a picture of that. I want you to notice something. Number one, winners. And then also, I want you to notice the word defeats. You see, in life, and as a nation, and as a country, we have had many, many wins. We've had many, many battles. We've had many, many opportunities. But we've also experienced some defeats. And anything that's living and breathing that would be called an organism will have good days and or bad days. As a matter of fact, we find that true out of Scripture. Challenges that will be there, and we know that defeats will stare us in the face. And on the other times, we notice that God gives great and supernatural victory. And as a nation, we have been blessed. We've had our ups and we've had our downs. We as Americans live, I believe, in the greatest nation in the world today. If you believe that, say amen. You online people, you can help me a little bit too. As a matter of fact, those of you that are online, go ahead and check in online. And let us know where you're at and and give us an amen. If you're on Facebook, you could do that as well. It's great because we choose to protect the gift that God has given to us. What was that gift? It was a gift that was sacrificial by the 56 signers of what we call the Declaration. They, they placed everything on the line. We find, and I've read it before, but it's worthy of noting again. Five were captured by the British and tortured until they died. Twelve had their homes from Rhode Island to Charleston, ransacked, looted. Enemy used it as a camp, and then they burned it. Two of them lost their sons in the army, and one had two sons that was captured. Nine of the 56 died in war or from hardships and from what is called in this statement, merciful bullets of death. Now you wonder, well, who were these people? Who were these individuals, the, the 56? I don't know what kind of impression you had upon them as they gathered in that hot day in Philadelphia. And they took a document that I believe was, was inspired and directed by God himself through the pen of those who wrote it. These men were not poor. They were not uneducated. They were not paupers. These men were men of means. They were wealthy. They enjoyed much luxury in their own personal life. They weren't hungry. They were wealthy land owners, substantial and secure in their own prosperity. In other words, they didn't have to be there. 
They knew that if they went, they would be marked, but they didn't care because they considered liberty so important that they risked their own security and they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. In other words, we're online, mark us. We're not running. And they fulfill their pledge. They paid the price and freedom was born. So when we sing God bless America, it may be just a song. It may be when we salute the flag, we think, well, that's wonderful. But the reality is, on that day, many of those individuals who could have been anywhere else, who had the means and the ability to be anywhere else, and yet they realized that they had been chosen. We look now out of a spiritual sense. Though they may not have realized it, they were there convinced this is a one-time opportunity. This ship will not sail by again. This ship of opportunity. This privilege of liberty and freedom. You see, Tourville, who was from France, a great author of freedom and studied the United States, he wrote, I sought for greatness of America in her harbors, in her rivers, and in her fertile fields, in her mines, in her commerce, but I didn't see it there. Not until I went into the churches and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness did I understand the greatness of her power. America is great because she is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. And let me say to you that it is not human nature or human will that makes America good or great. America is good and great because the favor of Almighty God and the desire of many to say, we still believe God bless America. And when we say that, we mean it, and we are willing to risk what we need to risk. Our young men going into battle, our young women going into battle to preserve the brown trees and the freedom to declare God is still in control. Somebody say amen. The greatest sin that America could commit today is to leave God out of our government, to leave Him out of our moral fiber and keep our national and educational interest to the degree that we do not believe that God has a place. You see, historically, when man walked away from God, historically in the Bible, when any person walked away from the duty God called them to accomplish after they had received God's favor, it says that God's judgment came. We have an illustration of Israel who got crossways with God, and we find in Deuteronomy 31, it says, On that day I will become angry with them and will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they will be destroyed. And many disasters and difficulty will come upon them, 
And on that day they will ask, have not these disasters come upon us because our God is not with us? You see, the influence of evil, even today, has tried to stop the goodness and the righteousness of God in our land. And there are many who are beginning to cave. For example, Elijah. When Elijah had done his best to try to right the wrongs of God's people, Elijah, in a state of confusion and frustration, he watched too much CNN, TBN, Fox News, ABC, NBC, Omasi. He watched too much of that. And he didn't rightly divide the Word of God enough. And when he watched too much of that, the only thing that he saw was hopelessness. And the only thing he saw were the words and projections of enemy voices. And he forgot. And so out of frustration, he's emotionally low, if not totally depleted. He even wished, I'm the only one left. And now they, Jezebel, trying to kill me. That's the way he felt. But oh, I'm here to tell you something, my friend. God has a different perspective. You and I might look at the news and we might say, look at the economy. Look what, look what COVID-19 has done. Look at the unrest that we're having. Looking at the stock market today. How are we going to manage the schools? I'm here to tell you, my friend, God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you if you remain faithful and dutiful and committed. My God will take care of every challenge we have because he still considers a America, his gift to us. If you look around global society that we live in today, you might come to that conclusion. But do not forget, I'll give you a little secret to remind you. At the right hand of the Father is my Savior. Jesus is his name. Lest you have forgotten his credentials. He's already conquered death. He's already overcome the grave. And he said to me, hallelujah, he said to me, Wayne, I want you to know that no matter what season you live in, what decade you live in, I am making intercession for you every moment of your day. You just lean not to your own understanding and trust me, and I will make the crooked path straight for you if you just trust me. And I remind you, he is the same Jesus that has his eye and his hand on you today. Let me tell you what happens, though. You see, we talk about the Statue of Liberty and we look at it and we thank God for it. I've been there, seen it numerous times. And I thank God for that great, great statue that's there. But there's something else I'd like to bring that might be symbolic. And it is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, freedom still rings through the cross. Amen. Galatians 6:14, may I, Paul says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul speaking to the Galatians and he's saying, they boast, y'all boast in your strength. You boast in your worship. You're proud of your ritualization. 
And he said, you're proud of your works. And you're talking about justification. But Paul says as a leader and a teacher, he plows right into them and said in the midst of your almighty ways, he said, listen, may I never boast in anything, not my personal talent, not my ability, not all the favor that we have stockpiled except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will boast in the cross because it redeemed me because of what happened on the cross of Calvary. Never, ever forget it. The cross is a symbol of the power of God. God's power is written in 1 Corinthians, but to us who are being saved, the cross is the power of God. It is the place of reconciliation between God and man. It was the moment like Elijah experienced on Mount Carmel, only this time. It was on Golgotha. And in fact, God allowed whoever you desire to bring. I've got one sacrifice, not a thousand, one. His name is the Son of the living God. He'll be the one, he'll be the one in the middle cross there. There'll be three there. Devil, you can bring all your imps, all your liars, all your demons, bring all your power there. And oh yeah, you will be able to see him draw his last breath. But I've got another plan at the third day. That man that I called Jesus is coming out of that tomb and he will conquer death, hell, and the grave and it will mean defeat for the devil and Satan. So when I look at the news and I look at the paper, I thought, Satan, you've already been defeated, Paul writes in Ephesians 2, by which he put to death their hostility. So you see all the meanness today. It is a symbol of destruction for God's enemies. Paul writes in Philippians 3.18, For as I have often told you before, and now I'll say it again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And finally, it is a symbol of peace to mankind. Why? Because Paul writes to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Many in the world would say, oh, but that cross is just a decorative ornament on the neck of an individual or whatever the case, and that's about all it ever is. No, hallelujah, there is power in the cross of Jesus Christ. To the redeemed believer, freedom still rings through the cross. To the delivered substance abuser, whether it's drugs or alcohol, freedom still rings through the cross. Whether it's a healed home or a marriage that's been healed, freedom still rings through the cross. If it's apparent that wayward children have come back home, it's because there's freedom that still rings through the cross. And it's no wonder that we have sang for years, at last and did my Savior bleed and did my sovereign die. Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. Somebody say amen. Number two, freedom still rings through the word of God after everything else has failed. The default system of the world is found right here. After all the computers are done and all the programs and all the geniuses, 
and all the good ideas of good ideas have come. He says in yard talk, ain't nothing like the book. Amen. Every answer you'll ever need is right here in the book. I said, it's right here in the book, Matthew 24, 34. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never, never pass away. We know this book right here, which prophesies what happens in the future. At the end of the day, this book says if you go through World War III, if Russia, China come to jump on Israel, and the United States gets caught in the middle, if Europe implodes and economic systems crash, at the end of the day, it says God still wins. Amen. My word declares you cannot lose with this book. <coughs> Religious teachers have tried to refute it. World leaders have tried to forget it. Government has tried to moderate it and control it. Atheists have said it doesn't exist. Time has tried to distort it. And America has tried to replace it with other teachings. But this book still stands. Edith Hicks died at 2 a.m. this morning thereabout. But that book said when she breathed her last breath here on earth, her next breath she breathed was in the presence of Almighty God. Can you hear what I'm saying? Hallelujah. It says hallelujah. It says she remained faithful and God brought favor. So you can tag on to the goodness of the Lord, the Word of God. You see, it's a probing instrument. This book right here, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing of the soul and the spirit. It's a weapon of, of defense. Paul writes in Ephesians 6, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. What is it? Which is the word of God? Satan, I rebuke you based on the record of this book. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It has saving power. Paul writes in Romans, it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes first the Jew and then the Gentile. Number four, it is a tool destroying error. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks breaks the rock to pieces. <clears throat> so at the end of the day, I have this precious instrument. And in this book, I have everything that I need. to make it victoriously that tells me what I need to do in the midst of failure and tells me what I need to do in the midst of victory. And it tells me when the enemy comes in like a flood, Wayne, when the enemy comes in like a flood, Victory Church, when the enemy who looks like a COVID comes in, it comes in like a flood. Here's what he said. 
I will raise up a standard. I'll raise up a standard, America. I'll raise up a standard, hurting child of God, that will lift you above the fray and give you victory beyond what you could imagine. Some of you listening online may have forgotten it. Some of you in this room are struggling right now, maybe in your marriage, struggling in your home, struggling financially. Listen carefully. Get in this word. This word will encourage you and will cause you to see that there is a way where it seems there is no way. It has saving power. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And it's a tool that destroys error. So when the liars come and try to trick us, it says the word will straighten up the error and it devours darkness. He said, I will make my words in your mouth a fire and these people, the wood, it consumes. The power of darkness may say, my friend, that moral obligation is a myth and a detriment to spiritual advancement. They may tell us that good and evil have no absolutes. They may tell you that men can become like little gods. They may say that all contrary to the Word of God and the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, no doubt the enemy was speaking into their spirit and saying, don't do that, don't give your life. That is against the law, and yet they had a firm resolve that freedom could be found somewhere if men were willing to sacrifice, and they all sacrificed, signing their name. And today we sing, God bless America by the grace of a living God and the sacrifice of men who would not stop doing what they felt like God had called them to do. Or do you think they had great big old spiritual encounters? Listen to me. I've seen a lot of devils do good for God. What do you mean by that? I've seen a lot of non-sanctified people who didn't have any idea that in their actions that ultimately God was going to get glory out of their stupid ways. You, under, you, you, you understand that? Number three. Freedom still reigns through the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care what you're hearing about the church. I, I, I have to read well, what's going on in the church, what's going on with the COVID, what churches. I had pastors call me this week, what are you doing? Are you still having service? You closing up? No, we're not closing up. You know, we're going we're to keep it open as long as we can. Well, what about your Sunday school? I said, well, we push pause there. Because we feel like that's the prudent thing to do. We just don't get in, in the conference room and throw darts at the board and say whatever this crazy thing lands on, then that's what we're going to do. We seek the face of God. Why? Because the greatest gift that God has given us other than salvation and me as a lead pastor is the church right here at Victory Church. Amen. I want everybody happy. I want everybody healed. I want everybody walking in one mind or one accord. But let me tell you, I'm not convinced that that will ever take place. Here's what I got to do. I want God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You were true and faithful to the task that I gave you. If he says it, I am ready to go. How about you, my friend. It is the church of Jesus Christ. 
We know that many writers will say the church is shrinking. I know what we're saying. Many sanctuaries are closing, but the church is not getting smaller. You can't say that to much of the underground church overseas today where they're meeting and they don't have authority to meet. And that church is exploding in the name of the Lord. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Elijah, cry to God, was desperate. Looking from his perspective, he called out a defeat and desperation. And he was calling out his lack. He had forgotten the supernatural invention of a mighty God. And when he said, I'm the only one left. And Jazzy and Ahab, they're after me. And God said, Elijah, listen up, precious. I know you're tired. You've been too busy weeping. You've been too busy murmuring. You've been too busy looking at just one side of the coin. But most legitimate coins have two sides. You've been looking at the head, the one that seems to dictate the strong one. But you need to look at the other side. It's the tales. Those stories are written by the supernatural power of your God. Elijah, you get you a little something to eat. Because here's what I want you to know. I've given you the privilege to sit here and just enjoy your pity and get some rest. But now listen to me. Are you listening? I have reserved 7,000, all whose knees have never bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. Elijah, if you think Ahab and Jazzy have the upper hand, you have forgotten that I created them. You have forgotten that the prophets of Baal were defeated on Carmel. Have you forgotten that? Listen to me, Elijah. Have you forgotten that when there are those that say the church is non-existent, they say it is weak and helpless and hopeless. They're saying it's all going into compromise. Elijah, have you forgotten as others say it's going to fade and lose its effectiveness? There are 7,000. As a matter of fact, Elijah, if there were none and I just spoke the word they would be defeated by the authority of my word that's all I need but to pacify you I've got 7,000 that are pure and holy and they are waiting for me to give the order to go to it so Elijah get up if you want to be a part of a winning team and join the 7,000 and declare that Jehovah God is awesome and Jehovah God is the power of the anointing to set men and women free by the grace of 
of the living God. And remember, the gates of hell will not prevail. He says this church is a growing church, and the church is the pride of Christ. No slouch can be the bride of Christ. Are we pure, blood-washed? Blood-washed. Can't get any more pure than that. Blood-washed. One day that trumpet is going to sound. Oh, and that Savior who is the groom is going to come high-stepping on the clouds. Hallelujah. Somebody get ready to say amen. And this bride, hallelujah, that has been blood-washed, you might be a little discouraged. You might be a little down. You might be on fire. Doesn't matter. You are blood-washed. Amen. And when he comes, he's going to draw you unto himself. And you and I, hallelujah, are going to enjoy the abundance of that relationship relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to place his hand. We're going to see fire coming down. We're going to sing holy, 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 and we will enjoy the benefits of the mighty God. Hallelujah. May we behave as if we are ready to go. May we believe what the truth says to us. For 2,000 years, the church has stood the test of controversy, the change of human leadership, the dark spiritual ages, cultural differences, disagreement of dark darkness, and satanic attack. But the Bible says God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. So when I sing that little old wimpy song, Jesus is the sweetest name I know, and he's just the same as his lovely name. Or we sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible Tells me so little ones to him belong. They are, but he is. Would you stand? Hallelujah. That's what we have. Yep. Freedom still reigns through the cross still rings through the Word of God, and still rings through the church. The Statue of Liberty, which is America's symbol of freedom. Hundred and thirty-four years old in October. October comes, 134 years old. The Statue of Liberty has become a symbol of the United States. And no other explanation of this gift of France to the United States needs to be made other than the inscription 
which appears on the stature. The stature. Give me your tired and your poor. Oh, many have sailed into the harbor from lands far away with nothing but the clothes on their back. And they heard about that statue. And when they sailed into that harbor, oh, my Lord, maybe can't even speak English and comes from a land of oppression. And they see it for the first time. Your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempted, tossed to me. And I will lift my lamp beside the golden door. And that's what the inscription reads. And we say, that's America. But then we hear God say, Come unto me, all ye that are weary, that are heavy burdened and heavy laden, and lean on me, and I'll give you rest for everything you have need of is found in him. We rejoice and we celebrate. Would you bow your heads and would you repeat this prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I have sinned. I have failed. I've made mistakes. I've given up. I've let hopelessness dictate to me. But today, I ask for forgiveness. Today, I repent. Today, I choose to stand up for the glory of God. Today, I choose not to be a silent majority. I declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. I say with multiplied millions, the God of Jehovah bless the United States of America. God bless the red, white, and blue. And may we always remember how we were born out of the sacrifice of the signers of the Declaration. But because God ordained it, we give Him praise and we give Him glory. And everybody said, Amen. If you need and you prayed that prayer in the heart of hearts, go online, push connect, we'll get with you. We want to help you every way that we can. And I'm asking you one more time before you go, thank you for being here. But let's sing this song and let it be a song of freedom and sing with all of your heart. Here we go.
bless you, church. Go in peace. We'll see you on Wednesday.